You're listening to Aramis Projects podcast with Croatian multimedia artist Petra Marša. With whom I spoke via a Skype call between Sydney and Rijeka in Croatia in late April 2020 during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Before finding herself in the arts, Petra finished university degrees in sociology and psychology. Disappointed at the time by the power relations inside of the scientific production of knowledge, she steered from this path and accidentally discovered her passion for photography and art in general, which, as she says, offered her a more satisfying way to question mainstream social constructions an ongoing interest that has guided her predominantly conceptual art practice. As she looks at the methods to liberate knowledge, she not only uses photography, but a variety of other mediums and creative approaches. Her works are always multidisciplinary and mostly collaborative, developed with a number of other sources of creativity and knowledge be it her own family or a group of young video gamers. When preparing for this interview and given the situation we found ourselves in, the coronavirus, I was particularly drawn to Petra's propositional book, What About the Body?, in which she explores the role and the function of the body in the overtly technologized and intellectualized society. The work was made months before the social isolation started, but the fact is that the concerns about the state of our bodies have only increased, now that we are glued to our computers day in and day out. I was therefore interested to talk to Petra about the current state of our bodies and consider what might be ahead of us after this imposed social distancing. While she pointed to the positive prospects of the digitized arts and online streaming, Petra joined me in my concern about losing the touch with our bodies as sources of knowledge and care. Question, what about the body, extended into the question about the relationship to nature. What will happen to our environmental consciousness if the embodied knowledge of being in and with the nature is replaced with the virtual realities and the information acquired merely through the screen? But before we delve into these big philosophical queries, I wanted to understand a bit more about Petra's journey into the arts and how she came to develop her conceptual interests in the first place. So I begin with a broad and overarching question. How would you describe your practice to me or to anyone listening? What is your practice covering? Well, most of the time that I take when I get the opportunity to do something new is to think about what I see around me or in my life 
that I think it's very powerful social constructions or some kind of mainstream common knowledge. And then I try to to think about the sources of this, what we take as a very normal. I say powerful because this construct that we live are usually something that we don't question and usually we take them as a kind of normal way of being a human. So in these terms, I think these constructs are very powerful because they determine our lives, also our values, how we see each other and ourselves. So uh, I'm very happy that in art I can dig the sources of all of these constructs and try to find its origins and how they became so unquestionable. A lot of the things that I like to deal with are connected with production of knowledge and then maybe also how we can, in some other methods, on some other ways, produce maybe a little bit more free or liberate knowledge, if that is possible. In doing that, you're actually working with multimedia and cross-disciplinary practice. You have a training or you have an education in photography. You have also studied sociology and psychology. Tell me a bit about the beginning of your art journey. What mediums did you start with? Why did you study sociology and psychology and photography together as a mix? And maybe what were the first artworks that you were making and how did your practice develop from there on? Well, I was yeah very interested in these power relations and who says that this is important and this is not important and how we should live our lives. So I was, of course, interested in sociology, which really kind of describes and investigates how the society organizes itself. Then also psychology was kind of something close to it trying to describe and explain an individual. But then all of these uh, disciplines started to be a bit kind of narrowing my mind after a while because there is really also a big hierarchy and power relationship in the way how science produces its knowledge. And then I was thinking that to think about the society and about our being in the world should not be just bound to statistics and to academic writing, but it it should really have a more open approach using different methodologies, using our all sense, our all being as an individual and not just one small kind of narrow part of us, which is rational thinking and writings. And... um, I don't know, it's almost like anecdote. Uh, I was with a friend walking in a beautiful small village in Istra, in Croatia, and he had a small digital camera. And then I really enjoyed how we kind of explored the world through this small frame, through this small camera that he had, and through picking some things which we find kind of important or nice or uh, meaningful, yeah. And then I started to to spend time with uh, 
digital, small, really digital, small camera, compact camera. And then I realized that this is something which I feel that um, in a way make some relationship between me and the world in which I feel very nice, very excited. And that's how I started to prepare for my exam for academy to study cinematography. Because in Croatia there is not BA in photography, there is MA of photography, but BA is cinematography. And uh, it happened that more and more as I studied, I found it that, like, uh, let's say, the, um, on the contrary with science, that it gives more and more tools and methods to deal with the things that you find you want to investigate and you want to communicate and you want to open some public debate around it. So my love towards this artistic field and artistic practice really was just growing. The first works were, yeah, of course, like the, some tasks for the academy, but I don't know if I would say what like was some of my really first things that I think they are not really works, but they made me connected to camera and to myself is really just wanderings around having like time when I can put myself in a different perception by having camera. So I'm not speaking with people, I'm observing, I'm looking some details, uh, looking light, uh, looking really what is happening in the moment. So this was really my beginnings of photography and why it attracted me, because it put me in some different state of mind, in some different perception. But of course, as I was uh, studying about photography and developing my practice, the things that I now do as a photographer are much more concept-based and they are much more kind of directed and preconceived. But at the beginning, I really liked the, the kind of the position and the state of mind that I was in while making pictures. At that point where you were in uh, Istria with a friend and he had a camera, was that the actual beginning of your photograph taking experience or were you creative as a child? Were you playing with any form of art as you were growing up? Yes, actually, uh, that, thank you for this question. Uh, I was really always interested in in some kind of expressions and uh, creative things, in drawings, in acting, in dancing, lots in dancing. I really liked, yeah, when you have to to invent something and not to repeat something. So I really, really enjoyed that position through all of my life. But somehow this this moment when I had this encounter with the camera with his friend in Istra, as, as if something really came in the right moment and the right thing for me to to take something really seriously from all of these, let's say, art disciplines. But I did not, I must say, also this photography, I did not take it seriously because I thought I was almost like on the bottom, you know, like when you lost the kind of belief that things make sense and... 
uh, I was just thinking, oh, this, what I studied is not worth. But that was more like, you know, when you have some problems with relationship and then you give up and maybe you don't have to give up. So I also think now that psychology and sociology is such a broad field and it has such a really enormous number of really great, smart and really beautiful professionals that also makes our life better. But... Um, yeah, at that time, uh, I just could not see myself in that uh, in that disciplines, and uh, and yeah, when I encountered this photography, it was I must really say like some kind of straw that you take because I was not thinking, oh, this is now it, this is now something serious. I just was really uh, felt that I enjoy it, I will do it, and I will try it, and maybe it will be one year of my hobby if I managed to enroll in academy. But uh, somehow it happened that I was taking it more and more seriously. And then, of course, there was also crisis. I was not just enjoying, but also questioning the medium, not knowing if there is any purpose in producing more pictures. But uh, what was good is that I did not come to some dead end, but I realized that in art field there is always a way to... To, to find the meaning in what you are doing because it gives you this freedom that you choose what you want to do and in which way you think it makes sense. Your practice is very much multidisciplinary and you really pull out from variety of fields and you use a variety of mediums to express whatever you feel is necessary to express at that time or maybe not even necessary but what you desire to express and uh, it's interesting because you started this art journey artistic journey with this medium of technology whether it was a photo camera or a film camera and one of the most recent projects that you've done is actually looking at the body and the relationship between body and technology and I did want to ask you whether you have a background in dance and physical movement. And you have just mentioned that you did dance as a child. Is that the case? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I really... Uh, yeah, this is so nice when you, when you love something, at least something in your life. Or, or of course, the, the more things, the better. But I'm so happy that, uh, that I have this... Um, yeah, love towards dance, and I had it since I was yeah, really a kid. But I was more making with my friends. We would make like some kind of group dance shows. So we did not learn from someone. We did not have a teacher. But there was um, four of us, uh, and then we made a choreography by ourselves to the songs we wanted, and then we showed this publicly at the end of the school year. So this was uh, how I enjoyed uh, yeah, dance in my early years. Mm-hmm. So you didn't go to dance schools or anything like that? I think for one year I was in a ballet school, just trying it to see how it will go, maybe even less than one year. But uh, I was yeah not really attracted to it uh, after a while. I... Yeah, I was not so interested in follow all of these strict moves. 
So I was uh, just making in my normally primary school. I made a dance group with my friends and then we made our own choreographies and uh, make the public pieces for all the parents from the school. That's interesting that you weren't interested in dance training, but you loved dancing. How would you, from this perspective, explain this to yourself now that you just didn't really, that the idea of being trained or told what to do and how to dance was not really gelling with you, that you preferred to do it by yourself? Yes, yes. I think I really uh, thought dance is great, but then going to dance school... Uh, was not the part of dancing that I fancied so much. I realized that I'm more interested to to make my own dances on the songs I like and invent my own moves. Because this is what I like about dance, that you listen to your body, that you try to uh, really connect with yourself and your body in a different way and not that you manage to do something because you're now trained and now you can make salto or, I don't know, a bridge or something like mm. that. That's really interesting because it kind of connects to those power structures in some way. And you said you want to invent something and not repeat something. Yeah, but what I think it's very important to uh, to... Like, yeah, to, to point out that I don't think that I'm inventing something new for the world or for the society because there are so many out there beautiful and smart people. I think what is very important is to invent things in your own life for yourself. So, uh, yeah, what I do, if you would make this some kind of comparison analysis, you can for sure find other people doing the same. So you can say, in these terms, I'm repeating, that's for sure. But uh, for my own experience and for my own life, I am inventing because I did not try it before. I did not see it from my surrounding. I did not see in my surrounding that somebody was um, exposed to some kind of things that I'm doing. So in these terms, I feel like I'm in some unknown field and I'm discovering or okay inventing i i also uh, used a bit uh, a big word but i yeah this is how in this moment uh, feels this production of knowledge it feels for the individual it feels as a some kind of invention or discovery and this is what i really like yeah discovery is a nice uh, way to speak about it yeah and maybe that's what you had in mind more when you spoke about invention going from from there from your interest in movement and coming back to the question about one of the latest work that you have done called what about the body and it was shown last year as far as i know at galeria vn in zagreb mm-hmm. and uh, in that work you looked at the body and the effect of technologies upon it. Can you tell me a bit more what inspired this project and what exactly were you exploring or questioning through it? So this is again kind of in the thread of my thinking about how we know, how we learn things about the world and about us. And I realized that most of the time I learn things from computer like a lot of things that I want to know how they are and what is or uh, what is happening or how to do something and similar it's 
the knowledge comes from the computer, from internet. And of course, in a lot, a lot of cases, it's super helpful and super useful. And it really makes our life easier and better. But uh, I think that on other hand, technology also, uh, by making it more simple and easier and approachable, it also in some field is not good because for some knowledge, we need to have also some pain, some uh, uh, our own discoveries, some questioning, not taking the answers as they are written. Uh, also having more doubt. So a lot of these things, I think, are kind of missed or are not in us as a humans developed if we just take knowledge from internet and, and use it in our life. And so this thing about uh, how, for example, we learn about nature by or just reading books or watching movies or going into zoo was also part of, or like the main topic in my work that I also did in the beginning of last year. And I did two works on this topic. One is called It's So Calm, No One Around. And it's referring to walking in the nature, in the forest, where of course it's calm, but actually there is so many things around and so many things that are going there and that we don't have kind of perception or knowledge to connect to it. And another work is called Exploring Environment 2, where I made kind of photos that resemble the herbari, the classification of the animals and plants that we can see in herbarium or in these kind of collections in the Museum of uh, uh, Natural History. So you always see the kind of the name of the animal or plant and the Latin name. But it everything tries to end the picture, of course. Everything tries to be very objective. But actually, it, there are a lot of information which are missing, like how this thing was made, uh, how the colors are produced uh, in this image. Uh, is it just a picture of it, or was it also somehow taped, this animal or plant, so that it looks better and some better composition? And for example, how it was taken for the environment. Is it killed? How was it killed? Is it found? So a lot of these things. So then in my this other work, uh, which is called Exploring Environment 2, I am following this imaginary of a collection or, or of, uh, depicting in such kind of, let's say, objective way animals and plants. But then I add some extra information about it and some more stylization and also some shadows which are trying to point out that this approach to nature is not at all objective and neutral but that it really makes something with our brain that it really raises some uh, believing system about the nature and our relations to it that are not neutral but that they really are uh, influencing a lot of things which are also connected with constructs and believing systems that also arises some specific worldview. Yeah, that was just one of few works in which I was thinking about how spending time in front of the computer shapes our life. 
And uh, I must say that I'm, uh, I don't know if somebody spends more time in front of the computer than me, maybe the similar, but I really almost spent almost this whole day in front of the computer. Yes. So, so in a way, I really take from this position to question this. So I'm not like, I hate computers. I'm anti-technology. I don't use this. No, I really use it. I really love it. I do most of the work on the pictures is in post-production. So it's a lot of spending time in front of the computer. Computer. But I was just then questioning how this then this shapes our perception, our connection to the nature or also our body. So in this work, what about the body? I was thinking also how through this computer we can be really easily served in so many different disciplines, like uh, having friends, learning about the things, having sex, ordering food paying bills, so everything can really be made uh, so many services more and more through computer, which of course it's super, super great because a lot of things are made easier and a lot of people do not have access to all of these things if they don't have computer which allows them to have these like relationships or food or knowledge about what's happening somewhere. But I was just uh, interesting to, to maybe slow down a bit and to question our relation to the knowledge we get through computer and also how all of these contemporary services that can be made through the computer made us not, uh, like it's not necessary to involve our body in the way how we had to involve our body before in the environment, which means go in the market, see the other people that you don't want to see maybe on the street or in the market. So you also, through this, you get to some kind of information, news about the people you live with or the people that surround you. I imagine that our body can really be such an interesting perceptive tool for the world, like how we can hear things, see things, uh, explore other people through our body, through our senses. And somehow I think that we are just... um, the disabilities decreasing. The disabilities, for sure, not something that is rising through our rituals with computer and our everyday routine of spending hours in front of the computer, so that we kind of don't anymore develop a body in that sense of perceptive tool and uh, and maybe a tool for knowledge as a kind of the source of knowledge that I think the body can be. It's um, embodied knowledge, I guess, is the word to use there. And you have actually brought to the surface now and to our attention something I wanted to talk to you about, because you mentioned that you spend lots of time in front of the computer as it is. And I'm assuming that that's only increased since we've been in this lockdown and this coronavirus situation that's been going on for about a month and maybe even more now in Croatia. And uh, I did want to ask you, how are you feeling at the moment um, about it all? How are you feeling physically? And what are your feelings about what's happening with arts at the moment, with things going online? What are you predicting will be happening? How are you personally approaching your art practice right now? Um, Well, I think that 
it it brings a lot of uh, I, yeah in 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 some sense people some people are really overloaded with the work that they now have to do because everything has to start to be digital for example professors like in in education or artists that before maybe were also working in different ways but now it's more asked to do more digitally and to make the content for the web and for the computer so in in one way people have to work more but uh, on i think maybe on other level some lot of lot of other professions maybe have a uh, much less work because they cannot go to work people were in isolation for a long time and for me this a little bit uh, the, the 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 concentration that then comes in this lowering the speed like feels like something that i really find very valuable so that you're not in the traffic jam that you're not late on your job and then you're stressful about this but you're like more on your let's say minimum and not on your maximum and more producing more ambitious more uh, activity and efficiency but you can just be home you can a bit walk in Croatia we could always kind of walk out except maybe in some parts uh, so everything is really slowed down i i believe that there is something very good also happening because of that and also so many people are now really saying let's not go back to normal because the normal was not normal of course there is also again my internet bubble because i guess other people are not thinking about that but i can hear a lot of voices really speaking about how it's important to rethink our way of being in the world our relations the solidarity that we show and really raising the questions of how to continue how to get a better relationship amongst each other with the environment so i i think that what really was good from this isolation is that a little bit slowed down the process of this crazy neoliberal capitalism that really just goes so fast running in the one direction which is really self destruction another thought in relation to all that because on one hand you're right we are slowing down or we are given an opportunity to slow down although i'm also noticing that um in some ways things have also sped up because everything is now suddenly on the internet and i'm really finding it hard to even cope with being able to follow everything that's going on so i'm feeling also a resistance to slow down like everyone is just finding new ways to continue doing the same thing at the same time we are talking about this desire not to return to normal and desire to return to nature but i have to ask your own question what about the body because we are actually at the moment in danger i feel of completely giving our bodies to technology because we have been i have been glued to computer more than ever and i feel that that's going to continue i feel that more art in the future from now on will be digital because people have discovered some new ways of doing things and they will like it some people will like it and continue doing it that way 
And then I'm wondering how do we return to nature if we give our bodies to technology and if we lose that touch with the body that you're talking about and your previous projects were exactly about that, about how how will we care about nature if we are not in the nature and with the nature physically? Yes, that's, uh, I think, exactly... Um... It's a super question, uh, because I think the way how we learn about nature is a lot of information, classifications, so we don't really get connection with it, and without the emotional relation, we really hardly can appreciate flowers and plants, uh, you know, whatever is there that is made not by our hands. I think the way to connect with it is only way for me to be there, to to be part of it. And of course, then also it's good the next level to learn also maybe through books and through computer. But I think to get to knowledge about the nature just from a computer source, I think it is not helping for making the relationship with nature. Because how I see a lot of my friends that know much more about animals and, and the nature and really like to, be, like to be there, they're not afraid of it. Like I was mostly because it was very unknown for me. All of these sounds and like wilderness and uh, who knows who will now come and how I will be crazy scared because it will be completely new for me. All of these people really, they uh, knew a lot about nature. Just part of their knowledge was reading books. But really big part of their knowledge was through being in nature so, yeah, I think that, that, that this, by, by exposing your body to nature and to people that know that they are connected with nature because they uh, spend more time in it, it's the best way to get this really, again, I think such a, such a nice relationship that you can have if you can uh, connect with nature. It's, you know, something I think that can never kind of disappoint you something that is always there, something that is, of course, not just beautiful because it's also very painful in the terms of how there is this uh, eating chain and, of course, there is a lot of aggression and hard moments that happens. But I think that being more close to it, understanding it and, and, and also have a connection with it can really make us much more stronger and I did not until now use this word, but now I want to use it, emancipated. So I think if you don't believe what your parents told you or what television tells you, but if you are more critical and connect with nature, with your own body, you become more emancipated and more brave. And of course, we want all to be accepted and to be part of uh, society and have friends and have thousand likes. It's crazy how we want it. Like we are crazy needy for these things. But actually, I think that um, what is the for me the the problem is that we could also get all of these likes and and be connected if we would really be super brave and really super true to ourselves to what we want to be and not by copying this desirable picture of being uh, beautiful and because this is like only the recipe you get aha uh-huh, if you have these muscles and you have this kind of hair or this kind of boobs you will get then likes but this is only because it is 
advertised like that and it's mostly propaganda but actually I think there are much much more people that believe in so much other different things and that uh, this just has to be more visible and then it will get more attention and more power but in a good way power not in the macho egoistic way but more in some collaborative and solidarity way that's um, another thing that you were exploring in this project, body. W- what about mm-hmm. the body, uh, this idea of how much our bodies belong to us and to what degree they are systemized or part of the system. And there was a really interesting questionnaire that you developed for this project because lots of your projects involve public and audience, which actually is not even audience anymore in that case, but becomes a participant in the project and you engage in dialogue with the audience. And in this particular questionnaire, there was a question that I really loved, and I will ask you now that question. If you, <laughs> if okay. you could, uh, and, and I'm particularly interested in this now because I know that we are spending lots of time static and in front of our computers and not moving even as much as we usually move. So the question is, describe movements of your body in one physical activity you did today. Mm, okay. Uh, I went today to the balcony with my two legs straight. There was a sun there and I uh, put my feet on the ground but also I put also my uh, hands on the ground. So only my... I made like a triangle with my body. And uh, I moved my head towards left. And there I saw houses and the blue sea. And 12 birds that were making circles on the sky and then I moved back my neck in the position of watching towards the floor and it came to my mind an idea how I'm happy that I made this stretching or triangle of my body in the balcony because there something unexpected can happen like these birds can just come uninvited and make a surprise for you or you can see a ship in the sea and in the house that is not possible so I then Straightened back my body with my hands up uh, next to my hips and spent a few minutes just giving myself the best shot by taking time that sun licks very strongly my face. That's so detailed. 
and it's surprising for me. I really didn't think that <laughs> you'll be going in such a detail. When you decided to include this question in your questionnaire, what were you hoping to achieve and what were actually reactions of people, of the audience, of participants that were asked those questions? Did you hear the answers or how did that work? And did you get any feedback of how did it feel for them to describe the movement of the body and how did it feel for you doing this now? Yes, it is uh, It is such a nice question, thank you, because um, a lot of things I do in my work collaboratively are the things that are made before the work is, let's say, shown or installed. And this was really the situation in which we want to expand this dialogue about the body with the public, because otherwise we would stay again in some media relim which we kind of did, okay, it will be, there was questionnaire, which is text, there was videos, which are okay, like digital media. But then, so I did this project together with four other artists, Jasna Jasna Žmak, Nina Kurtela, Meira Mujčić and Masha Milovac. And we all agreed that for this topic, it's really the right format also to include the bodily presence of exploring in the gallery. And so we had this questionnaire and also our answers to it, but they were all mixed. So in each paper, you could get answers of all or five of the artists that made the project. And then each of us would invite the audience to read these questions and answers with us and also to answer to the questions by themselves. And then usually some discussion started to uh, raise from these questions and these answers. And it was really great uh, because I really, I have to say, I will try now to, uh, to describe it, because the gallery and this art space gives you, and also the questioner, gives you some constructed situation. But what you then ask from people and from yourself is to, to behave kind of relaxed, but in this kind of constrained conditions. So what you kind of get from yourself as an artist or as the one that initiates this uh, experience, but also what you get from the public, is a very interesting relation. It's a kind of performing, but it's also yourself. It is like also giving the conditions that everybody of us gains some experience that they would not gain on their job, on, on their everyday life, or by just watching some video or reading some questions, because it is more active. So in a way, you again make your own knowledge with your own body as an audience by being involved in these questions and thinking about them. So for me, it was very interesting to find myself in the situation like this, because usually this is like art audience that some of them I know, some not. But usually the relationship is, aha, uh -huh, this is the artist. And then somebody maybe asks you something about the work. And then you drink wine and then you start to speak about something else. But here it was really completely different relationship with the audience. Because uh, the investigation, let's say exploration and the producing of knowledge and interest in knowledge did not stop before the exhibition and at the time of installing the work, but it really continued in the time of the opening. Uh, 
uh, for me, it was very interesting that people were really uh, uh, willed to and and or to or to share their ideas about how they see their body and how they use their body and what did they do with their body. And a lot of people said that they lack the confidence in their body of their body, or for example, that they really start the day by swimming. So it was really nice to kind of put out to the surface all of these things which are kind of private, how to use your body. But on other hand, this is also, I think, very political because, yeah, private is always, in most cases, also political. So what can we do with our body? What can we share that we do with our body? Why we do it or we don't do it? I think all of these things are also very much connotated by the what uh, society asks us or, or what the system asks from us. So I think it, it, is, it was very good to speak about it, to take time and space for sharing this knowledge. And really, exactly, I, I, it's so funny you cho- choose this question because it's uh, so kind of basic. But actually, I think that is so nice if you really think about you know, how your one finger comes to this mouse and what does this one finger then does or when the whole hand takes the glass of water and how this functions or how much uh, steps do you make to go to toilet and pee. So all of these things, I think, can make us more aware of our body. But I think what it is crazy eh, and completely why I also neglected my body is because uh, the body is really uh, uh, kind of, it's equal to how it looks. So are you have good body or not? Or is it beautiful or not? And if it's not, then you better don't think about the body and try to be more invisible. And that's why computer and internet really helps that you you know, don't feel miserable if you're not uh, the, the most... Uh, beautiful body that is like the the mannequin, the model that we that we see everywhere around us. But I think that, that, that of course, then it's easier and more fair this digital space where people are more equal and they don't expose their physicality. But if we would not measure our bodies towards that standards, then I think we could get much more enjoyment from uh yeah from from our physicality as beings Mm. yeah i mean it's interesting because on the other hand we have lots of images of beautiful bodies on the screen and Mm -hmm. screen is sometimes the place where Mm -hmm. we are being saturated by this idea of perfection some kind of physical perfection so we can't even hide there but it does give us some place of hiding you're right and it's interesting that you say that people were so inspired to share this because it speaks to me about this actual need and desire to get in touch with the body and speak about the body and share what body is feeling with others Uh, it's quite interesting But to move um, a bit forward, you mentioned a few times the word collaboration. Mm -hmm. And your works are very much often, they are often collaborative works. And you have just mentioned how you worked with four other artists or uh, I assume they're artists uh, on this uh, work around the body. 
So uh, what is it about collaboration that draws you to this kind of working methodology? And also what, in your opinion, makes a good collaboration or what is a good collaborative experience in your view? Well, usually the artist profession is quite lonely. If you do only your, I don't know, sculpture or paintings and investigate things. So it's very much uh, this picture of one genius that does everything by her or himself. And uh, for me, that position was just not meaningful and also not enough uh, kind of exciting. Uh, and also if I am interested in exploring ways how we can live uh, in the world, in society, then it's a bit hard to explore it only by myself. For example, when I was okay exploring how is how we learned about nature, I can do it by exposing myself to the nature and, and learning from it. But if I want to learn about how we can speak with younger generations about video games or how can I speak uh, with my peers, female peers about the body or how can we experience the family roles. It's for me very hard to speak about it without inviting other people and trying for myself to think about it and to try some different way of thinking about it or, or also really some different behavioral actions. So my process is that once I have some question and idea, I want to explore it with the people that are part of this subject, uh, like other bodies or, or, or younger generations of boys that are in video games or my family, if I want to think about family roles. And uh, yeah, the only thing which, okay, the, the thing I really remember that was not collaborative, where I was really alone in this experiment, was this relation to nature. So here I really wanted to see, okay, what does it mean individual body in the nature? And then, so this was really then, okay, I was more exploring it on my own and not inviting other people in this process. And then, of course, it is a very... Because the system, you know, always puts my name on it. And of course, I also always put who are the collaborators. And okay, I'm the person with artistic practice initiator and the person that, let's say, signs all of these initiatives. But nothing could happen without these collaborators. I could have no practice if there are not these collaborators because they're not just executors. They're also the source of knowledge. They're also the source of uh, the stance that I then want to share once the project is over or the questions I want to share once this exploration is over amongst these people. So this experience and this collaboration is really source of the work. And also a lot of times it also offers the format. Sometimes I know in, in okay, before what will it be? The format, for example, with the project Rehearsing Family did with my family, I knew that there will be pictures because I wanted to make some kind of alternative family pictures. But for, for example, format uh, with what I did uh, with uh, boys that are playing video games, I really started from uh, speaking with them and the content that we kind of came about together and then there was okay came video out of it and some texts and uh, and also the the games they were playing was something that they put inside of the work so 
yeah, they are really an extremely important part of of uh, any work. Mm. On other hand, I also feel in any um, art practice when ideas come at their original state, they are really fragile. That's what I feel. And I feel sometimes I need to let them cultivate a bit within me before I'm ready to start sharing them with others. Because in a way, sharing this initial seed of idea with others before it's a bit stronger feels like it might take me in a direction where I don't really want to go. So it can confuse me. Do you relate to it in a similar way? Do you um, do you wait for a little bit before you actually express some idea or, or suggest an idea or share an idea with others? Well, a lot of times I do really uh, spend a lot of time on my own on the computer <laughs> before I share some idea about the initiative. So I think that uh, I'm now working as artist for maybe goes from some... 10 years and I think that uh, partly things that I'm interested in they are not so much changing so this way of kind of emancipation believing in something which is not established knowledge and this kind of things it's something what really I think is all the time present uh, in my interest and I kind of investigate this, read about it and and so on. So then it depends on the place maybe where I'm invited or um, some open call. Then, then it makes more sense to make this kind of format or to more investigate this topic and not the other one maybe more nature and less video games or other way around. So I would say that I'm pretty much all the time questioning and interested in some kind of uh, similar things, which maybe from outside can look very different. But I would say that they're really in the similar scope. And then depending on what are the working conditions, like about the place, about the curator, about the institution, about my interest in the time, then uh, this knowledge gets more space and then comes into some more, uh, let's say, bring some initiative or I bring some initiative to, to make it more visible and usually through some process of exploring it further through collaboration. And do you have a maybe a methodology in the way that you organize your thoughts as you start developing a project? Like maybe you buy a new notepad for each project or you use mind mapping or anything like that? That's a very, very nice question. And I would very really be happy to hear other people answering it. But I really have no method what I most of the time follow is that I don't know what will happen, that there is some kind of a chance involved in it, that it's something what uh, I don't, maybe not also completely control. But And then I really try you know, to, like, to learn a lot about it, to read, to ask some professionals, to ask some people that are more in practice in this. So I really try to make the broad research. And this is why also I, I also have a lot of collaborative things is that because I want that I also learn through people, with people and not just from internet and video. 
YouTube knowledge. But I think what is, uh, I don't know, that is now a bit pragmatic question or like pragmatic answer, but I think what I find it, let's say, the leading thought or something is that usually I do really things which are for some specific aim. So it's for this gallery or for this uh, performance or for this exhibition. So I have to a little bit keep in mind that there is some specific time frame in which something should be okay to be shared, that I don't embarrass myself and don't also like uh, offend audience if I share that with them. So I think uh, a little bit to think about time is what is part of the process in which point this thing should become public. And then I try some of these thoughts then to manifest uh, in some format that can be put in public to also then spread this dialogue through that opportunity of exhibiting. Mm. And talking about these structures that kind of inform direction that you will take with the project, so a kind of idea comes out of the environment that you find yourself in. And for example, now we are in this environment of um, corona restrictions of movement and uh, restrictions of physical connections and again coming back to this spending lots of time in front of the computer and one of the projects that as far as I'm understanding that came to your mind out of this particular situation is to do with sound and you have started this um, kind of like a chain email style where you receive a proposition or instruction and then you keep passing this email to the next person and you're using audio form and the sound where we each respond to your sound proposition with our voices. I'm not really explaining it the best, so maybe maybe you can um, tell me a bit more how did you even um, how did this idea pop to your mind and what are you hoping to receive back? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, while well, being so much uh, in this very visual field of watching things on the computers so often and so much, I was started to, to think how people that are more in the sound field, how do they spend their time in the home? Do they also just like spend time on the computer or is their body and their uh, way of spending time at home somehow different? Do they more listen to sounds? Do they more observe their own sound or like what, how this time is for them? I was then thinking how also on, on one hand, the people that usually record sounds as their profession, usually we also don't hear those voices so they're more like the like the technicians behind the machine. And then they made other people uh, or, or objects or animals or, or environments to, to be heard. And then I wanted that uh, I invite these people that are recording other people that we hear their voices, but also that this, uh, what they will record is somehow some a kind of, uh, yeah, their own voice, which is kind of invited to be not articulated, not trained, not aestheticized, but uh, kind of to, to unite all of these voices through their vulnerability and through their, let's say, trust that the other person that will get this sound will make something 
new out of it and that the responsibility is not just that I have to be the best and I'm the genius and I will now sing this opera the best and I will be the star, but that actually I can uh, experiment, I can uh, observe my voice, it can be strange, it can be unplanned, it can be unexpected. And then, of course, yeah, I, I recorded it and then I send this to the next person that reacts also from the perspective of uncultivated in some way and unaestheticized and untrained voice to react to it and make the reaction uh, also part of this, let's say, original or initial, the, the, the proposal that I initiated. So uh, the, the idea is that after, yeah, I initiated because I wanted that I'm the first one that is like the most exposed and in, let's say, a bit the most, not the most, but like that, that I'm also in this vulnerable position. And then, then the next person that reacts and adds her or his voice to it, then, then sends this piece of, uh, of sound to another person. And I, yeah, for me, I think it's not uh, very easy to, to participate because you have to record yourself in something that uh, you maybe don't, cannot evaluate. You cannot say, is this good or bad? Was this beautiful or not? So it is very, maybe hard to, to, to do it uh, because, yeah, there is no... A system of evaluation and also you don't know how the ending result will be because the next person might cut some part add something else and so on but for me really this exploration uncontrolling if it's possible as as we can <laughs> of our voice to 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 really then communicate through that and to send this as a kind of it is called voice rally or audio letter to send this to the next person and to trust that this other person will do something again new and different and change it and that you're also okay with that is uh, something what I was also very kind of drawn to do. Uh, why I really wanted that people that usually record sound are recording because they also can then in this environment, which is like their home, they can really then so good record the sound that it again becomes kind of body presence. So I'm really also interested in this uh, situation, in this piece, that it's really highly, uh, really technically good because then you can really connect with the person through the sound. It's not like just some noise or you don't understand, is it breath or is it just some, uh, I don't know, strange voice or, yeah, that is kind of the technicality that is the problem that stands between you and the other person that, that makes the voice. So I was really interested that it's really, yeah, something that comes into your ear and as a, as a listener and you can really connect with these other bodies. And it really functions well. I really feel when people send it back that it is really uh, their body presence. But of course, as I think any audio work, again, 
because we are so exposed to so many different impulses around us, it also a little bit asks for some different kind of attention and and perception. So it is like you have to say yes to this one precise uh, impulse that comes from the from the headphones. So you should yeah in a way to to connect to it and to 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 feel these voices. It's important that you maybe don't uh, look around, that you're not eating the sandwich or that you don't think about what you will do in the next half an hour, but uh, that your perception of of connecting with it is a bit more calm or a bit more somehow a bit slow down. That's, uh, yeah, it's about focus. And now you bring me to... A question about the difference between experiencing art in physical environments such as gallery space and experiencing art through your screen through these online zoom mediums and um, yeah I, I have a background in dance and in movement and I'm very interested in the way that our bodies experience art in the spaces and how we move mm-hmm. through the space when we experience things and how we leave everything behind. We come to this space and we are fully focused on the art that we are receiving. And I wonder if that can ever be achieved online where you are potentially distracted by making a meal or your housemates going around or phones ringing. It's something about the fact that you haven't actually left the space of your house where you do all sorts of things to walk or drive to this special kind mm-hmm. of space. And I'm not talking special in a, in a sense of elevating it into another value, mm-hmm. but it's a different space where you are completely devoted and focused, not devoted, but focused on, on experience. Um, so I guess uh, to sum that up, I'm, I'm wondering how you feel and what are your thoughts about art going online? Because I think it's um, it's potentially going to happen more and more. Mm-hmm. For me, the the really great, beautiful part of it that is uh, that it really makes it a bit more. Uh, democratizes it so it's much more available for broader audience to see it to participate in artist talks so in this sense i think it is great that it's happening because anyways in this uh, moment so many things are happening online and in internet and if the culture and art would not be there then we would really i think uh, lose the meaning and the voice in the in the kind of public opinion so I'm. I, I think it's it's great that it's uh, also present there. I also think that that more and more new generations, their perception is quite divided and distracted. And the problem I think is that it's visible that then maybe have a problems with focus, with really reading, with finishing one task until the end. So this kind of uh, that we are all the time especially kids are exposed to so many different pictures on internet. I think it is a partly problem, but partly also then they maybe learn also some things more fast and, and parallel in the same time. 
If you take this kind of visitor as a public audience, then I think the art that is online, that you can always come in and out and uh, offers you kind of to be one of the parallel actions is what is the way how they perceive the world. So then it's kind of very... Uh, let's say, normal and up-to-date way of communicating and to exposing content. Uh, I'm very, uh, in this sense, romantic because for me the best thing is to go in some special place and to cut out from other things and be focused by watching some artworks or art videos and being somewhere where it's really some content made on something uh, specific. For me, really, since, I don't know, I was 12, I found uh, museums and galleries as a, as the most uh, releasing and, and safe and beautiful place because I can, uh, yeah, I kind of encounter the idea, I encounter it for, with my own head, in my own time, I can have time to think about it. Uh, there is maybe uh, not so much people around me, so I can really don't have to think about what other people think about it. Uh, so for me, this this physicality of museums and, uh, and the galleries is super beautiful and super important. But I can imagine that for people that are raised in a different, more digital environment, don't connect with this physicality in such a way. Mm. Yeah, I love that your answer is um, multifaceted because it is really not black and white. Or it's not like one is better than the other. We have to accept that both have their values. But I do, you know, question keeps coming to my mind, thinking about these generations that um, have short attention spam and that are connected to the digital worlds. You know, I again question, well, what about the body? What, what are we becoming mm-hmm. if we feed them with the diet that is already... Uh, that they're already being fed with. We are only perpetuating a loss of something that maybe is important and, um, you know, coming back to that, how do we then connect with nature? How how do we... Yeah, this is great, great question, yeah. Yeah. No, this is is really... uh, uh, This is a great question, but I think this is also something that would be very valuable that also other disciplines are working on, like, you know, educators, scientists, artists, politicians, that it's not just, I think, the art field that has to speak about the body as a tool of perceiving the world, but also we should hear also other disciplines that they kind of value this emancipation of the, uh, of the way of learning through your own body. So I think the art is not the only one and the only discipline that can or should speak about it. I'm happy that uh, I can be in this discipline of and share my life with such a beautiful people, artists that are questioning things, have critical thoughts. So in this realm that I meet people that are fighting for this kind of emancipation and uh, and the meaning of the body and the need to, for body to explore different environments and also one of them is the environment of the gallery and museum and encountering of art world but i here just feel like very privileged and happy 
that I can know these kind of people and that they kind of empower in me this relationship to body. But I, I can imagine that the other forces, which are less kind of, <laughs> I don't know, less on that side, that they are very powerful and that the younger generation have a not so easy way to, to find their connections with the body and with nature. Thank you for listening to Artemis Projects podcast. For more about our projects, head to artemisprojects.com.au.